the first time that I presented news rounds, people will naturally go, oh, look at that guy in the wheelchair, because they've never seen me before. But then the more consistently I did it, then they would be like, oh, it's Martin. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So okay, good. I'm going to accept. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this is now the start of the podcast. Well, you know what? I'm going to say welcome. And um, I hope everybody else really enjoyed that because that was like the perfect, perfect start. So, Martin, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thanks. I'm happier now that I've managed to fully interrupt your like intro to your podcast. But by the way, for people that don't know, Brooke was just telling us that she does the same intro to podcast and people moan at her for it. Or people say that you do the same thing all the time. And I said that I wouldn't interrupt and I did interrupt. And actually, I didn't mean to. <laughs> It's kind of perfect though, right? Like now it'll be something different for people to listen to. They'll be like, oh, we've changed up the... Changed yeah, up yeah. The I just think they'll just be like, that guy interrupted her then. <laughs> so it's fine. So like, good start. I'm going to let you talk now. <laughs> so I ask everybody the same first question and I'll like preface it a bit because I believe, and I also know that you believe that everybody's disability is completely individual. So how do you refer to your disability? I've got cerebral palsy. Really? Like, I think, like, I don't... Um, that's a good question, actually, because I don't think I consciously have thought about how I refer to my disability. Most of the time, I don't, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I never refer to it as the first thing that I say. Like, if you know what I mean, like, and it's yeah. not really a, a point of reference. It's like, hi, I'm Martin. How are you? And then you know that people are always kind of... Once they ask me about it, they'll be like, what have you got? Like, I've got cerebral palsy, which means that when I was born which was three months premature because I'm impatient yeah I was born three months premature I've got a little bit of brain damage and unfortunately the part of my brain that got damaged affected certain parts of my body and yeah. that hence meant that I've got cerebral palsy and you get it from birth and it's not degenerative in my case and I use a wheelchair to get around like that's it's basically is why I, I think that's my script you know yeah, because I mean? some people do have like the same thing that they say, you know, because yeah. when you are born with a disability, I think you are asked all of the time throughout your life. And it, I don't think it's ever going to stop either, like either what happened or how did it happen or something along those lines. And to yeah. answer that question, you always have like three sentences be like, this is what it is. This is how it happens. That's the end of the situation. I think that just keeps it very like be very clear, direct yeah. so that I don't know about you, but I mean, how do you refer to yours? So it's really interesting. So I always just say, like, I don't have a hand. And then, like, I didn't even realise that there was a technical term for that until earlier this year. Like, I genuinely is didn't realise. Yeah, exactly, right? I that? didn't realise that my disability is called, like, congenital limb, di- like, congenital limb loss or something along those lines. And I had not a notion of what that meant until I had to, like, fill in a form for a competition that I was in to be like, so what is your disability? And I was like, uh, do you want a picture? That's probably like a better way of like showing you what it is. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. Like, no, sorry, you've you've not put your hand in it. No, that's the no, that's exactly the that's the whole sorry, point. That's... <laughs> but you know what? Like, you know, again, it's sometimes like congenital limb. What? 
congenital limb loss? I think it's congenital limb loss or congenital limb difference. I think it just I prefer yours. I prefer yours. I don't have a hand. Like, yeah, I just don't have a that's hand. Because yours, mate, honestly, I'm being serious. Yours, that sounds like something that you can catch. It does, doesn't you know, If you say to somebody, I've got congenital limb, you know, loss of whatever, they'd be like, what? Like, it when sounds did, like something. Where did you, you get talk, that from? If, the STD clinic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like, see if you put, see if you touch my, my, the hand that you can't see, then you'll lose your hand. It does so sound think, like that. It's like those old ones where you say, I used to say to my old nephews and that, like, you just go, how did you get your disability? And I'd tell them all sorts of stories, like, I'd got it through touching a rusty nail and stuff. Like, you know, just loads of, like, yeah. stupid, obscure stories. But you're, you're one congenital limb, you know, disfigurement, a loss or whatever it is. Cerebral palsy. Like, when you say I've got cerebral palsy, I'm like, oh. It's just like, no, no, I've just got a bit of brain damage. It's all right. It's fine. Yeah. I feel like the names themselves make it a little bit worse. Yeah, and they don't make it easy to relate to either. So, like, as soon no. as you say anything in medical jargon, people are like, oh, sounds so serious. And I'm like, it literally means I don't have a hand. I was like, yeah. but it's just doctor speak. And, like, I don't speak doctor, so there's no point in me. Like, well, um, I know that this is your podcast and you ask the questions, but can I ask you one? Yeah, go right, on. Because... I went to a disabled school, uh, a disabled high school, but it was just for kids that had, like, you know, physical disabilities, yeah. like the people who had physical disabilities, so we still get educated, like, under what they mean, curriculum and all that kind of shit. Like, yeah. but a lot of my mates had, like, missing limbs, like, missing upper limbs, or, like, yeah. they had, like, the limbs where they had little fingers and be like, like, how do kids react to your... It really depends, actually. <clears throat> really, yeah. really depends, because I think... Kids who are like exposed to some form of disability in their life are like, oh, it is what it is. But then yeah. you have like other kids who just stare. And that there's like at one point, I'm like, I completely understand you're staring. It is different. I'm like, I'm so aware of that. I'm not going to like shame you for staring because roles are reversed. I probably would do the exact same thing. Right. But yeah. then at the same time, I'm like, your parents probably should have either had like a conversation with you about difference or like you can come and ask me. Like I would, I'd rather you came and asked me than just sat there and watched me eat. <laughs> yeah. It's an, it's a, it's an interesting one, but I don't think there's like a, there's no like right Give or a- wrong with it. Like it's just, it's just dependent on the child. And like, I'm always happy to have a conversation with children, but with adults, it's a bit different. <laughs> Do you ever wave to them with a hand that they can't see? No, I don't, but maybe I should. Yeah, things like that. I like messing with kids with my disability a wee bit, but it's just because the only reason I ask is because it must be quite. Because with my disability, like I think I get like a bit of both when when the kid looks at me with the wheels and stuff with the wheelchair. Yeah. I think like there's two, but they're like that's pretty cool. Like the fact that he's got a wheelchair and it, he's sitting on wheels and it's pretty cool how he really can move like that. And then you get the ones that are like. Mom, they're really loud and they're like, Mom, why is that man's legs not working? And you're just like, and you can see like the really awkward like parent being like, shut up, they either go shut up, and they're like, and they're either like, ask them and then they do ask sometimes. And then when you say to them, oh, my legs don't work because I was like that when I was born, then they're pretty much like, bam, that's it. But I, I'm always dead fascinated to find out what people are like with different disabilities, like what their world's like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it is so different for everyone. Yeah. It is. It's so different for everyone. And like 
I've said this before is that you could have the same like and I hate to say like diagnosis because I think that's a really disgusting term for disability (laughs) but you could have like the same diagnosis on paper but how your world and how your life and how you interact with your own disability is going to be completely different to someone with the same like prognosis or whatever as you yeah yeah I agree and even adults to a certain extent like I think adults have got a really funny I mean do you think that you get with adults like for me with the wheelchair, I think it's better now. But I always remember when I was younger being told this woman knew me for years and then I went into the wheelchair when I was 13. And this woman knew me for years and then all of a sudden she started talking to me weird and asking me for like naughty and stuff. Like just like really weird, like her perception of me had completely changed from walking and then being in the wheelchair sort of thing. So it was such a weird Do you get that as with adults? Do people the adults sort of I don't know, shit no. themselves around you? But I think what happens for me is like if, if it's winter, like specifically in winter, obviously when it's like colder outside, clothes are not designed to fit the person with the one hand. So like right. I w- it doesn't look like I'm disabled until I take off my jumper or I take off like my coat and then people are like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, sorry for what? Like it's not existed my entire life. Like there's, there's no obituary for my hand. Like I'm we don't need to that, go through that, this. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah like, of my hand. Yeah, yeah like I'm not going to find it down the back of the sofa. Like that's not <clears> how <throat> it's going to happen. <laughs> like... Imagine if you did that because you should put a fake one in the behind the sofa. Quite funny. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but it's like it is interesting because people and like it's, I've never really spoken about like the difference between summer and winter because obviously summer everybody's bodies are very much out. Like it's hot. It's like so. There's no hiding a sense and it's not mm. that i hide it in the winter at all but it's that clothes don't fit for my body type like it doesn't exist like shorter arms on one side of the body would not make any read like retail promises for anyone like it wouldn't make sense and also Just, like i'm not going to go and get it tailored because it's expensive <laughs> yeah it's expensive that is the issue and it's very much like uh it's, as you say you know other people that have got similar disabilities but none of them are like yours specifically, like it's the same with cerebral palsy, isn't it? So there's not one person apparently in the world that's got cerebral palsy the same. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about my disability or your disability, you can only talk about it from your perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so with cerebral palsy, how has that impacted like your career and the career choices that you made? Um, It hasn't, it hasn't. Like when I played basketball and stuff, like, I played, when I played basketball, like Captain Scotland and played basketball at a high level, like athlete level sort of thing. Like, I never realised how cerebral palsy impacted me back then. So when I was in high school or when I was in secondary school, as we would call it, and then when I went and played basketball at the high level between the ages of like 16 to like 23, 24, like, I thought I was just like everyone else. I thought like... But then I could never quite make it up up to that next level, like between like Scotland and Great Britain, for example. So I could never make it to that Paralympic level. And I, I was determined to make it to that level, but I just couldn't do it. And then one day my um, basketball coach said to me, he's like, I'm going to film you. I want you to take 100 shots and I'm going to film you taking those 100 shots. And then I want you to come back and have a look at it. And I was like, right, okay. Like in basketball, you'll know 
if you if anybody's kind of that sport nut like me, you you kind of look at people's form and you look at how they do yeah. things and you think it's not about the power, it's not about the effort, it's more about the technique and the form yeah. and everything. And you go yeah. like this is how. So in basketball, you've got your ball here, you've got it in your chest, and then you do the elephant trunk thing to take the shot. So you follow up yeah. and follow through, snap the wrist, and that's how I was trained to take my shot. <clears throat> but then when I felt, when I took my hundred shots. And then I came back. That's not what my shot looked like. <laughs> that's not what my shot looked like. And it was the first time, because mine kind of went like this. Like this weird, like, totally off balance, totally off centre shot. And I remember, like, I remember, like, saying to my coach, like, what the heck is that shot? Like, what? And he was like, that is your shot. You've always took that shot. Like, always. <laughs> And then, it, do you know what it's like when it comes to a sporting point of view? It's like your your brain and your your brain and your your brain knows what to do. Yeah, it knows how to do it, and you've got the body for it. Definitely, you've got like, but the the signals that your brain's sending to your body and how you imagine you're doing things is completely different. Yeah. So in my head, and I think maybe some people have got that as well, but I think in cerebral palsy terms, it's a lot more extreme. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually. There isn't a cerebral palsy wheelchair basketball player that plays for Great Britain. It doesn't exist. Like, and there's, I'm not saying that that's the sole reason that we're just better basketball players than me, but there is like a link there between um, that top level sport at that level yeah. and then not being able to play, but also, yeah. So that impacted my, I would say that it's in a sense, there's a female, there's a female cerebral palsy player, uh, Siobhan Fitzpatrick, who plays wheelchair basketball for Great Britain. She's really good, but she's the only one I've ever seen like, in the men's game that isn't. So that impacted on it. And then my career, and then on the flip side of it, it's really helped my career because I wasn't, I couldn't get to that level in terms of being an athlete and getting paid enough to live a normal sort of live a life that was sustainable. Yeah. Like Channel 4 were obviously looking for presenters from the Paralympic Games in London 2012, and I had already left basketball in 2010. So... I decided to go for a competition to become the next Paralympic presenter. And um, it was me and like the likes of Alex Brooker from The Last Leg. Yeah. And like loads of other people that you've probably seen now. And then we were all sat in a room like on the 28th of November 2010. We were all sat in this room and we all, I think Alex went to Leeds University. He was studying sports journalism or something. And I was, you know, just finished basketball and there was a whole bunch of us. We didn't really know what we were doing. Don't know, and then they trained us up, and then we got to London 2012. So I think cerebral palsy's helped my career mm-hmm. massively, but also hindered it at the same time in a different mm-hmm. way. And now, like ten years into my sort of life as a broadcaster, like it's it's become a problem again because I feel like diversity is not included enough within. Yeah. So as I said to you, you heard it when I spoke to you about it before we first met when you were in the audience, like. Yeah. A lot more needs to be done in terms of representation and and how you know how disability is represented and stuff. So I think my cerebral palsy sometimes stopped me from getting stuff that I would have got if I didn't have it. It's interesting because talking about broadcasting, I was wondering if you'd ever face like particular barriers to entry in that like world because obviously. Mm-hmm. You're like you're very correct when you say that there is such little representation in that world. Don't get me wrong; there is some to like a very very small degree, 
but that yeah. isn't enough. And I was just wondering if you yourself had faced barriers to entry there. Yeah, well, recently, like, so I left the BBC, um, I left the BBC, like, uh, nine weeks ago to go freelance. So I decided that I was going to go on more. And the reason for that was is because when I had a children's contract when I was working at Newsround, which was like a staff job at the BBC, yeah, like, you would have your children's contract, present Newsround, be a journalist every day, which was great. So there was no barriers from that point of view, but the difficulty was you would think that the BBC was a really, like, progressive, inclusive, yeah. you know, organisation that once you become staff there, there's inroads to move in, you can move up, you can go yeah, and do move up and move sideways. And- that isn't really the case, particularly as well when it comes to disability, I think, because I'll give you an example. So I had a meeting with a, an exec, I won't tell you who it is, but I had a meeting with like a daytime exec, um, BBC daytime sort of TV. Uh-huh. And that exec said to me, the words that that person said to me was, um, oh, I think you're a really good presenter. So I was like, oh, thank you very much. And then they said, but there are loads of good presenters. And I was like, yeah, that's that's correct. And then the person went on to say, and I'm not going to give you a job just because you're in a wheelchair. So then it was like, <clears throat> so I kind of sat back and I was like, mm, right. And then I was like, so first of all, to answer your question the, on the first one about me being a good presenter, like, I know. And thanks yeah. for that because... I've worked really hard to get where I am because, but the difference between me and other presenters is, is that I'm the person sat in front of you and they're not. So this is, well, this is to answer that question quickly and swiftly. It's like, that's the difference between me and them. And secondly, um, I've never used my disability to sort of expect a job. Yeah. But but if you're, if you're talking about it as, as a BBC exec from a business point of view, then surely you must see that if the BBC have trained me up for 10 years in loads of different live environments at loads of massive events in the world on a variation of different subjects, and yet you don't think that me being in a wheelchair actually as a competent broadcaster is strong enough for the BBC, considering that you don't have enough, then... Yeah, the lack of... I used to... So then I sent a few emails to like the Director General at the BBC... He like he referred me to the diversity people who and I, I asked him if I could be so it was never about being put on big TV shows, it was about being part of panels that made decisions or yeah helping from the inside and I, I offered that up and they never and they never um, they never took me up on it. And it was it was one of those things where I sat at Christmas last year and I thought to myself I was quite frustrated because I felt for what that woman had said that my integrity had been sort of questioned and that yeah that for me is like the biggest problem it's like I don't mind the fact if you tell me that I'm not going to get this job because you don't think I'm fit for it then that's good that's fine I could then I can work on it and move forward but the fact that somebody questions my integrity and thinks that I just expect to get a job because I'm in a wheelchair is actually a big problem for me and then yeah and then when you speak to the head of the BBC the man in charge and he just refers you down and then they just don't really take you up on it. So then it was kind of a frust- And then you find out through the scheme that they've got to get more representation that actually sent in the last 10 years, dis- disability representation in the TV media has dropped rather than gone up. So then I just thought, no, like I'm just going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave in order to like keep keep on the path really which is yeah. a real shame. So yeah, I think that 
it's kind of came around full circle where London 2012 opened doors and then it went good for a while. And now we're back to, I don't know, kind of being, the, it's a, it'd be a bit of an extreme expression, but it's like being the last dog at the ball. Yeah. Sort of thing. And it's, it's interesting that you say about 2012, because I think I remember London 2012 so well, because I think it brought around so much awareness for disability and like it did so good for the community, like like it did. However, mm. it's tailed off, and like that representation is no longer on the TV. Like yeah. we don't have the same. Like the people were having really interesting conversations regarding disability because obviously we were hosting and we had the Paralympics as well. People were having such interesting conversations around it, and I remember thinking like, "Wow, like this is so good." And at that point in time, I was obviously like, "This is ten years ago," so I didn't really know that disability would become such a big part of my life as it has now but I remember thinking wow this is like an amazing cultural change and like 10 years later I'm looking back and I'm like the change lasted for maybe two years at most Mm -hmm. and and now it's kind of back to like watching not watching people fight but like you're kind of gearing up for like a big but you want a big cultural conversation to have and like and happen and have like a big change but it's it's you're gearing up for that because it, it's dropped off. The conversation yeah. is no longer there. And that's when that's when Newsround really nailed it, actually, to be fair, because when I got that job at Newsround, it wasn't a job to be a disability correspondent and it wasn't a job to sort of, you know, talk purely on disabled stories that impacted on people that had disabilities. It was it was a job that I was a presenter on Newsround and that was it. Mm-hmm. So the way that they saw it and the way that I saw it was is that what will happen is, is when the first time that I presented news rounds, people will naturally go and go, oh, look at that guy in the wheelchair because they've never seen me before. But then the more consistently I did it, then they would be like, oh, it's Martin. Mm-hmm. So they understood that the whole point of the change is a longevity thing. Like people are going to wonder about the chair the first time, but then as we progress, you'll just become a name that the kids will become familiar with, wheelchair or no wheelchair, because mm-hmm. you're delivering the stories and delivering the same content is what any other presenter is at that time. Yeah. And I feel like it's a real mix where they're trying too hard, the media, to to get it right, and that makes it awkward. And then they keep creating these sort of roles and schemes and whatever, whereas there's plenty of people out there that are just good at presenting, and there's plenty of people out there that are just good at podcasting, plenty of disabled people out there that are just as good at anything else that they want to do. But... The issue is, is that it has to be made such a big deal of. Yeah. And that's and maybe on both sides, maybe that goes for the people with a disability as well. I don't know. But we're definitely at a, at a crossroads, I think, yeah. where things need to change now and quickly. Mm-hmm. And money needs to be put in and investment needs to be put into people with disabilities to achieve what they need to achieve without it seeming like they're doing us a favour. Yeah. And I think that's such a big thing is that you never want it to be tokenistic because you yeah. never like, and as you, as you said earlier, like you never wanted to get a job or like relied on the fact that you were in your wheelchair to get a job. That was never yeah. part of like your MO. And I think that's such a big thing for disabled people is that you never want to get a job just because of your disability. But at the same time, like if that job means that you get more representation out there for a wider community, then that's like a massive benefit and like a massive side effect that's so good so it is such a double-edged sword guys you can't you can't win really because people are always going to be questioning 
you know, what your disability is. Even the people <laughs> that employ you will be worrying about what your disability or what can we do for you? And it's like, well, I'll let you know. It's yeah. a, like, you know, and if it's something that, like, and that's what was good. I mean, News Round used to have me down trenches. They had me up in mountains. They had me in snow. They had me in, yeah. you know, 45 degrees sun on beaches and the sea, all sorts of places. So, but that was like a relationship that I had built throughout my time there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, it took, you set the boundaries. I think it's the disabled person that sets the boundaries for that. And you need to make people aware about what the line is, where the lines are, what your blueprint is in terms of how you like to be spoken to, how you like to be addressed if that disability issue comes up, if it's a problem or not, and what access need you require and what help you might need when you're doing your job. So like, you can't expect an employer to know that. No, and that's like it's like mind reading, like nobody can do it. I like to think that through hardship everybody can recognize a positive trait within themselves and I was just wondering have you ever found yourself going through some form of hardship but noticing that you have like a really positive trait that you really enjoy about yourself after going through said hardship yeah I'm like I'm pretty relentless like I my word that I use all the time is that I've got a, a fear of failure (laughs) <laughs> so like my biggest fear is like failing at anything so and I know where it comes from actually because if you can imagine right um, so when I was younger I used to walk with cerebral palsy so but I used to walk like like a, like like a dot like a duck listening to rap music it was a bit like I'd waddle a little bit and it was a bit like it was weird and then I used to have like you know, like the splints for like uh, like yeah. Forrest Gump used to have like that with my big disability boots these big black like disability boots with the toggles that would go around <laughs> yeah. and then uh, and like my mum used to insist now in, in primary school kids wear like pole shirts or jumpers or like you know like stuff that's quite casual and then my yeah. mum would insist on me wearing um like a blazer and a shirt and tie most days. Oh, like, I love that. Like, and then I had like a side pattern, like just like what I've got now, I've got it back. Yeah. And then like, because of my disability, I, my eyes, cerebral palsy, I was born with eyes like this, like they used to go in like that, like googly eyes. So I had these like glasses as well. So you could imagine me like my little blazer. People used to call me side pattern Martin, my little tie and that, right? So they used to call me side pattern Martin. And then like, what had happened? <laughs> and then what had happened was, is that I was, like, such a geek, right? <laughs> and, like, they would be, like, I'd have my little glasses and I'd be looking at the board like that, like, just staring at it. But, see, because I had cerebral palsy in primary school in Scotland, right, they just thought, it, now you've got your groups, so you've got, like, your smart groups that's in, like, the red group yeah. for reading, red group for maths, and then it goes down, and then you've got the really crap group for, like, that's at the bottom, like, the yellow group, and they're, like, they're, like, underachievers. So you had, like, your red group, your yellow group, and then Martin and his best mate, Jason, below that. <laughs> so, like, so like that was, like, so that was, like, us. But it's not because we weren't intelligent. It was just because Jason, I don't know why they did that, but I met Jason in year two in primary school when we became inseparable. Like, he's, ma- he's like, married to my cousin now. He's got, like, two kids, like, we're best friends. Like, small but, town. So but, small town. <laughs> but Jason, yeah, yeah, but Jason, right, so, so the reason why I'm scared of failure is because from a very, very young age, I was set up for failure, I think. So, like, yeah. there was never an option for me. Like, I was all, even though I had cerebral palsy and, like, maybe I didn't have the physical abilities, I was still always determined and relentless. Like, yeah. always, like, 
it never ever bothered me so I, I would play football but I wasn't allowed to join the school football team because they were worried that I was going to hurt myself or uh-huh. whatever and then like the fear of failure thing just comes from that like, I think like basically trying to prove a point like if I get a task at hand then like I will make sure that I will bring so in my mindset I've already at a disadvantage because that's how I was treated when it came to being younger yeah. so in my mind my default my blueprint mindset is always be better than everybody else be better be better be better do better do better you can do better so I suppose the positive trait is is that it's also a good and a bad trait because I, I become obsessed yeah. with like achieving goals and making sure that, and yeah. it's not a competitive thing with anyone else. I never it's look at anyone. I never look at anyone and I never think to myself, I'm going to beat you. And I've never been that type of kid ever. Yeah. Like I've never been that type of guy, but with myself, I'm like relentless, like yeah. relentlessly, like just constantly on a mission to make sure that whatever I try to achieve, I'll achieve it. Like, and that's, yeah. it's a good trait. But also if you're my partner, for example, if you're my girlfriend or you're my daughter or you're somebody else, that can be quite difficult. It's because... really interesting that you say this because I have recognised so much of myself in what you just said. Yeah. And I think it is like, you're so right. It does stem a little bit from childhood and the fact that, you know, you people always saw you starting off as some with some form of disadvantage, and it was almost like a f you to be like, I'm going to be exactly the same, if not better. Yeah. And it's and that it it does stay with you because even now I, I'm still very much like that myself. Like I always used to say, I'm incredibly tenacious, and like I'll go after whatever I want, and I will get it. It might take me a bit longer, it might look a bit different, but I will get it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'll get it. And it's so interesting that you say that because I'm like, oh, maybe maybe this is like a disabled people thing. Like may- maybe this is a disabled person thing. <laughs> like I think it's like I think it's like when you've been treated like you are. I think it's from the offset before the gun's gone off and you get your chance to get out the traps. Yeah, I always use sport analogies to do things because it's how it works in my brain. Like before I was even born, I like I was already considered to be someone that wasn't going to achieve what I have, yeah. and I suppose like what. I don't know about you, but my parents and growing up and stuff like, um, I don't know what my parents' expectations were of me, right? Mm-hmm. It was never spoken about. But I think when I look back at things, I think that maybe they did think that I was either going to just sit and not do much or working like a factory for disabled people that, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Working. So, I'm going to stop this conversation because my door's going to go. No and say, but pause it. Pause oh, it. Pause. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so what was I saying? Talking about how if you're like you're given a disadvantage, like from the yeah. offset. So when you're all, when you set off the traps and you're like, uh, you know, you just don't have a chance really. I think that's what starts it off, and then you see it as a, these many challenges all the time. I don't know about you, yeah. but it would be like, and then it was dead interesting. I don't know how you were treated in school, but in my school in Scotland, like they just treated me like I was, um, I didn't have the capacity to be you know, to be able to compete academically with these kids and maybe they were right. But like I was saying, my parents, I don't think my parents knew what I was going to achieve. And I think yeah. in the back of my mind, I always knew that that was going to be the case. I always knew that people thought, even people closest to me, without them saying it, they always thought they didn't have high expectations about what my future was going to be like in terms of achieving things yeah, or whatever. So that pissed me off. <laughs> so I would always be like, 
Mm. And then, so that was it, really. I'm relentless and I've got a fear of failure. Which, which is like a double-edged sword in itself. Really bad, actually. Like when I when I get when I get something in my head, and when I get into something, or if there's a task at hand, like it's very tunnel visioned. It's very like I will achieve this, and my poor, you know, my poor family, my poor daughter, and whatever else need to put up with my, you know, need to put up with my my weird nature when that does take place. Yeah. And I can completely, I, like, like I said, like, I recognise so much of what you just said because I feel like I'm also the same as that mm. I never tend to back down from something unless like there's a very, like there's a very big reason as to why I should, I should back down. Um, yeah. And usually that might, that might come from like external sources where someone's like, okay, like you're taking it too far now. And you're like, Upon reflection, maybe I did take it too far. Maybe I should step down. Like maybe I should. <laughs> I think that's like a. I think that's like pushing yourself, isn't it? It's like yeah. It's good that you've got that that thing in your head, and you've got good people around you going like, "This isn't going the way that it should." Like it's yeah. not right, and you've got like that filter in your head almost, but it's like this is a lost cause now. Like, what did you want to do when you were growing up? Do you know what I have? I had no idea. I always, I, for, at the beginning, I really wanted to be a marine biologist. Like I thought I was going to save the whales, like genuinely thought that's what I was going to do. Still like, could. Still could. Yeah. But I'm just not very good at science. Like me yeah. and science are not. It's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Really big part of it. I was just mm. not very good. And actually I probably go as far to say that I was probably quite mishandled at school. I think really? they always thought I was really, I've always been very loud and like, I'm very much like a massive extrovert. <laughs> and I think I was just totally mishandled at school. I don't think they really knew how to deal with me. And I've always been very upfront and very honest and like sometimes to my detriment. Um, mm -hmm. But like that's for me, it's always better to be to like air on the side of honesty than. Do you, to, to do you piss people off with your honesty? Do you say, do you get in trouble? Yeah. It's it, like my mouth has got <laughs> me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> like, but in saying that, I think because I was always that way, like I never from like, I went to a boarding school so from the ages of 13 to 18 I was just incredibly honest and like that type of environment doesn't necessarily work that well for someone who is just upfront and honest because you know like you're in a boarding house of 60 girls and like I was the only person being like you're being a dick stop or like you know teacher yeah. asking me asking me like a really stupid question I'd be like that was a, a really bad question like you should like that's no like re reframe what you just said because the answer is going to be not the one that you want and I've always been that person and I've always challenged authority not because I was trying to be awkward but because I didn't really understand what the question was and like I've never been ashamed to be like I don't understand what you're asking me and why you're asking this question it doesn't make any sense you think you've got a thing about authority maybe a little bit which is probably why like I, I tend to like do things for myself and and like for myself in terms of like work I find it very difficult yeah. to work under people um and that's like probably part and part of that but I think maybe a little bit of it is is that adults didn't really know how to handle me so for a really long time I could get away with saying stuff and they'd be like <gasps> and they'd be like oh it's just Brooke you know she's only got one hand and I'd be <laughs> like yeah like that's true and so like that became like part of my makeup and then I think that's maybe part of the reason I am why the way I am is because people were so shocked that I was so honest <laughs> like, yeah how can someone with only one hand be that brutal yeah like I think that's maybe part, part and parcel of what it is they'd be like oh wow like she, she's really speaking her truth like she's being very honest and I think that just comes from because I knew that I had to ask for things and I wasn't going to be awkward about it 
if I needed someone to help me carry my books, I'd be like, can you please help me out? Like, I can't, you can see I physically can't carry that many books. And people would be like, oh, wow, yeah, like I will do. And yeah, but people normally do do that, don't they? They normally yeah. would help you, wouldn't they? Like, that's the thing for me. Like, people are like, oh, I want to do it myself. And it's like, actually, when you ask people for help, really, they will do it. Genuinely, like, there's a lot of good, good people out there that, that you know, that, and I was like, I don't get enough help. It's like, there's loads of people out there that are willing to help people. I, I also think part of it stems from also accepting that you can ask for help. Because I think a lot of people like to champion the fight. And like that's good up until a certain point, but if it's becoming detrimental, then it's not good for, for anybody. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. And actually, that that is quite a proud thing, though, isn't it? I've been yeah. in situations where I've not wanted to ask for help. And like, you know, I don't really want to, I really want to get up that escalator on my own. Like, when I've been in London, for example, <laughs> and like the lift isn't working, and I've been like, and I can get up escalators sometimes if I hold on to like yeah. the, you know what I mean? And I'm holding on and I'm like, yeah. And then, but sometimes the escalators are just too big. And then you're like, and you're trying to judge it, but you're trying to basically G yourself up as well and be like, I can do this. But really in the back of your mind, you know that you've got to ask somebody to stand yeah. behind you to make sure that you don't end up falling 40 feet. Yeah. Like, so you're just like, so yeah, it's about biting the bullet sometimes and sort of letting your pride get away. Yeah, have a bit of a hit and like yeah. just accepting it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, true. So I like to ask, do you think you have a piece of advice for either and or either a younger version of yourself or for a younger person with the same disability as you? Yeah, well, I've never actually thought about this either. To be fair, you've put me on the spot again. I'm actually quite good at this, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed. (laughs) Yeah, it's not often... The thing is, is I'm normally the person that asks the questions, so I'm normally like put other people on the spot. So for Roll you, reversal. Reversal. <laughs> so I'm a bit like, so, but I wouldn't. I give advice to my younger self because it's too late. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's it's such an late. honest answer. <laughs> too late. It's too late. Like, uh, you know, I wouldn't give any advice to my younger self because. What's the point? I've already made the mistakes I've made. I've done the good things that I'd set out to do. Yeah. But uh, for anybody who's got cerebral palsy, like, so if I, something had it similar to me, oh, what advice would I give? Like, embrace it. So I think would be the thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always the type that embraced. I don't know whether I was just really blind, like, whether I had this ability to be able to shut everything else out. Mm-hmm. Right, but you know, like I find it like going to put proper like dad mode or kind of like against the millennials mode or against the Gen Z mode sort of sense here, but like I didn't have the chance to like be like self pitying. Mm-hmm. Like you know yourself, you've got Scottish blood in you. You know how this works. And I literally know like, exactly what you're about to say. You don't have any space, time or effort or you've not got the right to be feeling sorry for yourself. No. Like, my parents and my family were very much like, oh, well, this is how it is now. Get on with it, sort of yeah. thing. And then I think I kind of adopted that in a sense because when I was younger in the playground and I did have my little calipers, my little splints and my glasses and my side part and my, <laughs> side and my blooming blazer and my jacket and and whatever, 
I like just did what they wanted to do. Like I did, I hung about. I wasn't very popular at school. It was just me and Jason, and like I just got on with it anyway. It never yeah. ever faced me. I never went home at night thinking I'm being treated really badly. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean. And I never. And then when I went to high school, like I went to the high school for people with disabled with disabilities. So I was like in my element. Do you know what I mean? I was like yeah. these. These are my people. I think like absolutely loved it, man. Had a blast. Yeah. Like had a great time. Loads of electric wheelchairs flying by, Zimmer frames, people with no hands, people with no legs, people with no arms, people with like respiratory issues. There was like loads of things. And you kind of get like a a real sense of self. Yeah. Actually, and I think that's what I had in Glasgow growing up. And that's what I found through meeting other disabled people. I don't know whether you get the same thing, but whenever I meet disabled people and hear their stories it kind of reaffirms like where your place is in terms of how you're mentally supposed to approach things and a lot of senses so that would be it like no get to know yourself get comfortable with it own it and just crack on like that's because as soon as you get comfortable with your disability and get comfortable with who you are and you'll go through the normal teenage phase you yeah. go through the normal phases of like growing up, but that's not that's not individual. That's not unique to you. Like, yeah. What is unique to you is like getting used to that disability and getting used to like how you adapt to it. If you see once you do that, then you can become yourself. Like yeah. you can truly become your true self once you get past that point where you're like, I'm not worried about being in the wheelchair. I know how to get myself dressed. I know how to do all this sort of stuff so I can comfortably walk out at any door in the morning. And be like, okay, this is going to be a good day to be a wheelchair Martin or whatever. <laughs> so Martin, Martin. <laughs> a wheelchair Martin. <laughs> so like that's that would be my advice: get to know yourself and own your disability outright, because yeah. then no one, no one can, no one can judge you then if you know yourself better. I love that as well because I didn't realise until I was much older that actually I was very secure and confident in my disability. And I didn't, yeah, in my disability, absolutely. Yeah. Like I didn't, but I didn't realise that they weren't mutually exclusive. And All so right. I didn't realise that there were some, like there were disabled people out there who, who weren't confident in their disability. And like, for me, that was mind blowing because mm-hmm. like, I've always been this way. So how can I expect to be another way and then yeah. there was a whole conversation about acquiring disabilities and like that's a completely different ball game so like yeah. it's not something that I can comment on because I don't have that experience but being confident in your disability and being confident in who you are I think is such a key takeaway because if you're like you have a disability the likeness is it's not going to go away and yeah exactly it's with yeah. you for the rest of your life and so embrace it and accept it for what it is and like make the best of it yeah, and, there are, and the confidence thing is, right, but I think, like, confidence is a funny word, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I have some days and I call them cerebral palsy days. I had one yesterday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I had one yesterday. And don't get me wrong, I'm talking, like, for me, the best version of myself. Sometimes when, I, when I'm giving advice to people, that's the best version of myself. But, yeah, like, confidence is a funny word, like, because some days you're not confident with it. Mm-hmm. And some days, like like we're talking about, like with clothes, or whether it be going to work, or whether it be just a day where you're just not feeling confident about something, or whether you're not moving quite as well. Yeah. Like, 
confidence ebbs and flows when it comes to disability. I think no matter what disability you've yeah. got, that is the one consistency that I can say whether you've acquired it, whether it's visible, whether it's non-visible, or whether you were born with it. I feel like you have your days where you're like fucked off with it. Yeah, and, and I think that's so true. Yeah, and that's confidence is like it will get easier as time goes, I think. Or you or you have or you just need to accept the days where you're just not gonna quite be like hundred percent, yeah. Can't be can't be asked with it. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't be bothered with this today. Can't be bothered with it. Um but getting to know yourself is always the best way forward and then the confidence will come secondly with it on yeah. the days where so that even on the days where I had my cerebral palsy day yesterday where it felt like you know like kind of like one of those days like if I tried to touch my nose with my finger it wouldn't happen do you know what I mean like and it would yeah. it would because that would never impact me like that but you just get days when you wake up when you get up out of bed or whatever it's just not quite flowing you're something's. not firing on all engines like yeah and that's something. not just a disability thing but the disability thing doesn't help yeah. Like, and then you have experiences where there are days where for me, like maybe, I don't know, like the bus driver told me that I couldn't get on the bus because there's somebody else in a pram that's got it or something like that. So there's like internal, there's internal battles and there's external battles with yourself every day. Yeah. Like in order to, like yourself, you go to the gym, you do CrossFit, you part, you're part of a team. The part of things, but I bet you every single day you have your days where you're actually like pumped up and ready to go, and then you have your days where you're like, I have to have a word with myself. Oh, in order, yeah. in order just to like just to make sure that I put my socks on and get ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Like, it sounds yeah. stupid, but that's like that's what I mean, and I think that is disability for me. That's what ref- defines it, like, every day is that. For us with disabilities, you've got your own little internal fights. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's a really interesting one because I think you're right in what you're saying is that there is nobody is excluded from having internal battles. That's like disability, no disability doesn't matter. Everyone has them, but I think having a disability to a certain extent, that that extra little internal battle can just be a little bit louder. Yeah, a bit like or not today, like, you need to have a bit of a word with yourself and be like, okay, it's fine, we've survived every single day up until now. Like, and it's like, it's like, impacted it. <laughs> and then when you get older, when you get older, it's like relationships, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, you want to find somebody. To, have you ever been on Tinder or Bumble or anything like that? Right? Nightmare. I actually think they're cesspits. <laughs> Honestly, man, that place is such a space. Right, like, so during lockdown and stuff like that, like, you know, I, I've been with my partner for like, like, like a year now, maybe over a year. Or whatever. Uh-huh. But see, before that, like, like I remember my first Tinder profile was like, it didn't really have my disability on it. Uh-huh. So I'd put pictures up that didn't really show that I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And then you get like lots of matches and stuff. And then you would see as soon as you put a picture up in the wheelchair, like, it was like a social experiment. <laughs> Just like that, what she was like. So what I make it like. very obvious that I've only got one hand. So like I've I've never not made it like I will purposely put up a pitch like all of my pictures include like their full body shots because I will Do never you- I'll never stare away from the fact that I've only got one hand and I think you know maybe I don't get as many matches or whatever and like that doesn't really phase me all that much but the thing that I think about in the back of my head is that if 
if you're not coming into my life already knowing and you're not accepting of it, then you're not for me anyway. Like we're not going to be friends. We're not going to yeah, yeah, no, talk about it a lot. Like yeah. I do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I've, I've, um, I don't even think that it was consciously a thing for me. Like I put pictures up and then you put, you know, you, you put your best self forward in a sense. So you yeah. try and show yourself. And then when I put myself at full body shots, then it did change. But it's just interesting, isn't it? Like it is a massive about, social experiment. And then it's all that's what I mean. So when you step out the door, then once you've done with those internal battles or those external struggles, we like getting from A to B or navigating like yeah. through something. Then you've got other things to deal with, like like what you were saying, like fashion relationships. Like yeah, you know, there's loads of different facets to it. Like so that's why the younger thing, speaking to my younger self and saying own it. Then at least if any of them, whatever happens with any of those situations, then you're kind of like, it'll be fine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And at the end of the day, like you always have your own back. And that's something that I like, I like to remind myself is that you've got to look after number one first. And people yeah. might say that <laughs> I've got quite a lot before that I'm, I can be quite selfish. And I'm like, mm. I'm not being selfish. I was like, I am looking after number one first because I have to have my own back, especially on this. I think we're quite similar in a lot of regards. Like I've been called selfish quite a lot. Like from that. I think it might be our makeup and also probably where we're from. Gonna put it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. But then also like, I do some cheesy things when I'm about to broadcast live. Like I did it when I played basketball and I do I don't know if you do things to sort of get yourself ready for like your CrossFit, whatever. Yeah. Like I say things to myself, like I visualize things, like I do things, oh, yeah. I do weird stuff. Like I always say things to myself before, like the countdown before I go live, I'm always like, back yourself. And it's funny that you said that because that's like, because obviously you're going to get like adrenaline pumping through your body and you're going to get a bit of anxiety as a result of that. And your breathing's not quite going to be like, right. And it's funny yeah. how you say little things to yourself and you visualize little things to slow it all down yeah. to be like, to be like, back yourself back yourself, back yourself. And I say that to myself and it's so funny that you said it because that's like my yeah. go-to. I always say it to like to everyone. I'm like, I back myself 100%. And they're like, yeah, I say it all Ooh. the time. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, no, I do back myself 100%. Like I know that at the end of this recording, this will have been a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I know it will be because A, I'm an interesting person. B, you're also an interesting person. Yeah. That's not me having like a massive ego. It's not me being egotistical. But it's you are truthful. Fact. You are honest. Yeah. You are honest. I get annoyed by people that um, that kind of <clears throat> fish for the compliments but aren't willing to back. I don't get annoyed maybe. I would, no, in fact, I do get annoyed by people that don't back <laughs> themselves enough it really upsets me and it really frustrates me actually yeah. like it's and we live in a society like that now like and that kind of world where it's like you can't you can't back yourself or else people just think that you're being arrogant yeah and it's like no i've got insecurities trust me i've got insecurities now i don't feel like 100 percent about my abilities all the time but i will still back myself if someone says yeah. to me, if i if there's a task in front of me what's the point in me doing it if i'm not going to and then when people, and then when people, when people come in and say like, and then they go like that, or you were being a bit like cocky there or whatever, because I openly say that I backed myself, but I'm going to do this and go smash it. Like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit full on, and it's like well, you get a bit wide. <laughs> it's just like, 
Why? I'm getting a bit white. Stop getting white. Don't get white. And you're exactly. like, look at why I'm just here. I'm here. I'm present. Like, I'm ever present. I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it really frustrates me when people go, oh, I didn't think I was going to do that anyway. Like, I wasn't. It's like an excuse mm-hmm. where people will say, oh, like, I, I, you know, I wasn't going to, like, if somebody wins something and then they're like, oh, I'm just quite surprised, but you can tell they're not surprised. Like, yeah, it's like, like false modesty, isn't it? Yeah, you're like, you expected to do that. You knew you were going to do that. And it's <laughs> like, that's fine. Just say it. Call a spade a spade. Call a shovel a shovel. Like, yeah, and like, yeah. that kind of frustrates me when people present, oh, no, like, I'm not brilliant, but you're brilliant. So I think that kind of thing, and it's like, no, no, you know, back yourself. Yeah, always back yourself. I always let bagger out to Jessica, my daughter, about it. Just like you're going to be amazing, and actually, I think I've like (laughs) like, created a monster. I was literally about to say, have you created a monster? (laughs) Totally created a monster, but she's like, I'm brilliant at that. I'm so good at that, you know, Dad. And it's like that's good. She's 11 now. She's going to high school this year, and she's like really athletic. But she's going to get a real shock when she gets that step up to high school when she realizes that. She's not going to be the fastest girl in school anymore, probably. Yeah. And I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I'm looking forward to when she comes back to me and she's like, I'm not fast anymore. I'm like, but you will be, but you will be. You just need to lose to come back. Back like, yourself. Lose to come back up. Like it's going to teach you so much more because winning all the time just creates like a horrible human being. Like you've got yeah. to lose, you've got to be humble, like all this. So that's kind of how my brain works every day. I'm so annoying. Like, and I know it. <laughs> My missus is like, you're like, a, you're like fucking Coach Carter every day. You're like, in order to win, you have to lose, all that kind of shit. Like, I love a good quote. Do you know what I mean? I, I love, love a good quote. quote. I have I a whole it. section in my phone of like quotes to like, and it's literally called When You Feel Like Giving Up, Read These Quotes. Yeah. See on those, um, see on my Spotify, right? If you look at my Spotify playlist, it's like those 10 minute monologues where it's like the really deep voice and they're like, and you, you can, can achieve it. anything. And it's like, and it pure screams at you and like pure tells you to get up and stuff. That's my that's my Spotify all the time. So like, uh, I feel like I feel like such <laughs> such an idiot sometimes, but I'm like, this is what this is what gets me going, you know, this is what gets me up. And yeah, you know, I love to I love a good cheesy, I love a good cheesy quote, you know. <laughs> I love it. So interestingly, we've just spoken about what annoys us. I have a particular like set of questions that I find annoy me when it comes to my disability that are asked yeah. from like random people or they can be like a bit too intrusive. So number one is usually did a shark bite your arm off? No, it didn't. Like, it be just, fair though, I find that quite funny, but to be honest, it can be funny in the right situations, but when it's <laughs> so like, ra- like when it's so random and from someone that I've never met in my life, I'm like, I don't owe you any explanation for any of this. What so I'm wondering, <laughs> do you have a particular like set of questions that you find either annoying or intrusive or ones that you're just not really willing to answer from random people? Yeah. Can I just, um, what I normally do is though, if I get annoyed, so I get that as well, so I get this quite a lot. What I get is, is it when you're a soldier? Mm-hmm. Get that all the time. I don't know if it's got something to do with my haircut or whether it's got something to do with like how a whole thing. What? It's the side parting. Side parting, Martin. It's like I'm bloody doing it now. Um, but every time I get that, I'm just like, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, unfortunately, I was one of the unfortunate buggers that was born like this. Because 
there's like a whole like thing about the story, isn't there? Yeah. About like how you acquired that, and people naturally like like to glamorize or give it a little bit of a Disney twist, like, like some form of entertainment. Yeah, like that. But it's like oh, I wonder if he was a soldier because he obviously works out, he takes care of himself, and like in your head, in their head, that's what a soldier looks like when he's injured. Yeah. And I've always said to my mates, like, like this is going back to kind of like relationships again, and I'll come back to your question, but it comes back to my mates always had a theory about me and the disability when it came to relationships with women. Because they were like, a lot of women would come up and say that to me, like, were you a soldier? And I was like, I wonder why they say that. Yeah. I wonder why that's like a thing. And it's like, because they want to look after you. Like, yeah. there's a thing about like, human beings inherently want an excuse to look after someone. Like, mm-hmm. or they instinctively, like, go towards that way. Like, and if you were like, oh, the poor soldier, like, that's, yeah. like, a thing for them. But isn't that weird? Things like that annoy me. Like, things like that really annoy me. And then I get, I've had this question thrown to me three times, not just by women, but by men as well. Um, does it work? Like, it's alarming how many times I've heard that doing this podcast. Have like, you really? So like so so many times, and like every time I'm like the first few times I was like what, and now like I'm I'm never shocked by it because I think people are so interested in a body that's so different, and like the thought of you know not being able to have sex or like you know perform a sexual act or whatever is like so mind blowing for people, yeah. and people are so like intrigued by it instinctively, and I'm just. I'm no longer taken aback when people say that because I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. It was actually, I remember it was my best mate's girlfriend asked me it for the first time and I just met her. I remember my best mate was like absolutely mortified. He was just yeah. like, what? Why would you ask him that question first of all? Like, like yeah. why is that important to you in this situation? Like, yeah, like, how does like this help that. you in any way? So I've had that before a few times and I don't really have, like, a set answer for it. I just kind of shake my head and I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And like, but I get, like, I get, like you say, like, does a shark bite off or whatever? Like, does a shark bite it off? I've got quite good quips for coming back to people. So, like, people go like that. Oh, mate, like, you're pretty fucked, eh? And I, like, that's what they'll say to me, like, some of them when they're pissed or whatever. And then I'll be like, oh man, if you ain't can't fuck, you should see the other guy. <laughs> like, and just kind of, and they're like, oh, and then, like, shake it off a bit. Yeah, like, shake it off. Because actually, do you know what? Like, in all honesty, I don't care. Like, yeah. the thing that the thing that bothers me is, is when people come up to me and, like, do you know, like the condescending ones that they think they're really smart, like, they think they're intellectual and they think they're yeah. being socially. They think they're like woke, like where yeah. so they think they're like so they think I've got a cousin by the way that type like I've got a cousin who's in a wheelchair you might know him yeah or when they bend down he's sit at my level type of thing like yeah those types of people when they're like and they give the pauses where they're like they're like I want to ask a question then they look away as if they're all sad as if they're like gearing up towards this big question yeah. And you're like, fuck off. Like, honestly, man, like, I have got visions of catty chopping you right now. And that's like, and th- those are the people that annoy me, like the condescending types that think they know what they're doing. Yeah. And you're like, 
you are making it a lot worse than... But the ones that ask me questions, at least you're asking something and you're keeping it interesting for me. And anybody that makes like statements like, oh, you're fucked, eh? You're like... Thank you very much. much. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. The lights are off in that head. It's a circus in there. Pretty much. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, ha. And they don't really know Where's what to sort of say. You could just like, oh, you're allowed to make a statement to me, but, you know. I can't say it back. When I respond back, we are quite a quick witted like almost cryptic response you're a bit like whoa and it's like who's the one with the disability now do you know what i mean and it's kind of like that feels like a win to me yeah in a sense so i'm just like i don't get myself too bogged down with it to be honest i yeah. don't think about it too much because these are the little things like those little internal things that would annoy me every day <laughs> because i yeah. become obsessed so i'd be like because i do i don't know about you but do you ever sit back and sort of play the tape? Do you ever sit down and like play the tape back on your day when something like that happens? Sometimes. Like, right, I play the tape back quite a lot. If I've been in a, a sort of social situation where somebody said something to me or something's happened to me and I've not, and I've, I respond very impulsively to those things. So like, but sometimes I'll sit back and play the tape and I'll be like, I could have done better there. <laughs> So, like, sometimes, like, a bag little things, like, if I've not responded the way that I wanted to, I kind of hope that that scenario comes up again or something similar to that so I can play, so that I can use whatever comeback I've thought about them again. <laughs> so I did a game. <laughs> so, in a sense, I kind of bring it on myself. I kind of hope that people come up to me like that because I'm like, yeah. I really want to see that piece now. Give me an excuse. You've got like something in your head. You're like, oh, this yeah. is really good. I thought about this before. Like it worked perfectly in this yeah. scenario. Please, please, somebody say something good to me today. Please, somebody say something. To me. Please, 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 please. So, <laughs> yeah. So I only have one last question for you, um, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. But Look, it better be a good one. I'm telling it you, is, it better um, be an absolute doozy. I'm telling you. <laughs> if it's not, then like we'll just call the podcast quits now. But I'll be disappointed. I'll just switch it right off and just be like, oh. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, come on. I'm like, he's so rude. <laughs> he is such a rude guy, like every other disabled guy in wheelchairs. So yeah, all fit under the same category because we're all. But then again, there. but then again, you know what you are like. You ones with no hands, like you are just like really just honest. so upfront and honest. So upfront and honest, like you know. And whenever I see something with no hand, I'm like, you know how they overcompensate? They just tell people exactly what they think. I mean. Maybe that's, it what, is a thing. that's what I say about everybody I know with one hand. Is it? Just tell everyone. <laughs> Just like she's going to tell me exactly what she thinks because she's got no hand. <laughs> oh, so, Martin, <laughs> can you say that you are disabled and proud? Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I don't know if I'm proud all the time, but I'm definitely disabled. I can say that for sure. I mean, yeah, I would agree. What made you come up with that? Um, come up with that name? Um, because I felt like there wasn't a space for people who were disabled to just say that they were proud of being disabled. And I know that yeah. we've got Disability Pride Month, and that that's amazing. And like that's like only once a year. Whereas this, I wanted to have this conversation with loads of different people and loads of different disabilities, and and realise that actually. Disability is something to be very proud of because there's a lot of there's a lot of fight that goes behind it as well, and there's a lot yeah. to be proud of. And I think a lot of people were quite 
shocked initially when I said that this was going to be the name I was like no because I think it's something to be very proud of and I want to have these open conversations where some people might not feel so proud about being disabled but actually in the back of my mind I always thought what if there is a younger person with whatever disability and they're struggling for whatever reason and they listen to this podcast and it makes them realize that they can be proud to be disabled and they can be proud to have like the body they've got or the struggles that they've got or they can be proud of what they're doing then like I've done my job and that's what made me came up with it really I like it it's also nice to have like, a positive the grumpy gets one for us with the podcast at Nadex was interesting because I like the title but it's another negative sort of connotation it's maybe yeah. it's meant to be ironic I suppose but you know I, I get that but the the whole point about the grumpy gets isn't is the fact that we're not grumpy that's the ironic yeah. part but it was good to see a title that wasn't, you know, didn't have a negative spin spin on it. Well, it thank good. you so much for coming on today. I've honestly really enjoyed this chat. I think <laughs> there's going to be so many funny takeaways. I can't wait. Right, I'll stop yeah. recording and then it's good to go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.